So, wow, Dean Brown is on this show. Man, what a deep mother bleeper this guy is. And yes, I'm making up words because I don't even know how to fit him into any category, and I'm not going to try. My name is Jude Gold, and uh, yeah, we're listening to tracks off of Dean Brown's new record. It's called Rolla Jafufu. And man, we're going to get into more of this, and I'm going to tell you about it. But first... Let me just list for you some of the amazing people Dean has worked with over the years. Starting with, you know, one of my favorite singers of all time, Roberta Flack. He's also played with a really great blues rock guitar player that I love named Eric Clapton. A guy who plays a little bit of drums named Billy Cobham. A guy who's a little bit handy with a saxophone, the late great Michael Brecker. Where do we begin? The guy who founded the what I would consider the Led Zeppelin of Fusion Weather Report, talking about Joe Zawinul. This list goes on. Let me see if I can check my notes here. Marcus Miller, the funkiest bass players and producers of all time. David Sanborn, Bill Evans, Gil Evans. Oh man, where does it go? I can't even remember everybody. Les McCann. It's kind of crazy. Layla Hathaway. That's Dean for you, man. He can land on his feet in just about any musical situation. funky player too again this is Dean's brand new record it's called Rolla Jafufu love that word word's got kind of a ring to it but he made that word up I think I think that word is coming from the styles of music that you're going to find. The row is for the rock. The la is for the Latin. The ja is for the jazz. The foo is for the funk. And the foo is maybe for the fusion. When you think of a world-class fusion guitarist, man, you're really talking about someone who can play a million different styles, in my opinion. They don't really have a word for that. So they call it the great fusion guitarist or whatever. But Damn, Dean is truly a great guitarist, and we're going to go really deep on some stuff. And of course, if you're new to the show, welcome. It's called No Guitar is Safe, and one thing that's special about it is we jam 
like crazy with the guests. Dean is going to play a ton of guitar with me on this show, and it's my honor to play with him. So when I did my guitar hang with Dean, well, we did it at Exotic Headquarters in Van Nuys, California, Southern California. And, you know, funny, some people have heard the word exotic, and one person even wrote me, dude, I can't find that anywhere. That's because it's spelled with an X. There's no E. It's just X-O-T-I-C. Exotic makes just fantastic guitar pedals, and now they're making just the most fantastic guitars. And uh, you might have heard Alan Hines playing one on the uh, Alan Hines episode a while back, and coincidentally, Dean Brown is playing them. And also, not coincidentally, both of these gentlemen teach at Musicians Institute, where I have been known to teach sometimes as well. I used to be the director of the guitar program there, too, so I got to know a lot of these guys really well, which was a thrill for me, because I knew about a lot of them before I got there. Like, when I first started at Guitar Player Magazine in 2001, one of the first CDs that I got in the mail, because believe me, you get a lot of CDs in the mail, was one from Dean Brown called Here. There's a track from here. I I just couldn't believe all the incredible musicians he had on that record. And then, you know, gosh, 10 years later, I meet him at Musicians Institute, and he's just one of the most inspiring teachers I've ever met. He just... He really, he really holds certain values so dear, but he makes it fun. He's so serious about music, and he values the important things, but he always keeps it fun. That's what it's all about. Why make music be suffering? Have fun along the way. That's what you're going to get into here. Little warning that we do get into a little bit of chord theory there, a little bit of superimposition for a second. Don't let that throw you. Some of you, it's going to be a piece of cake to follow. Others, if you're newer to the guitar, you might get a little overwhelmed because, you know, a lot of concepts flying. But don't worry, we quickly get back into some crazy stories and all this stuff and a bunch of crazy jams and then bring the funk. guess what? We get a bonus guest appearance from Kenny Etchison later. Kenny is another guy who used to teach at MI. Now he works for Exotic and he's just a fantastic guitar player and super cool human being. In fact, at the end of the uh, thing, and this is a long interview, so it actually won't really be an outro. For the ending... We're going to have Kenny and Dean jam on, you know, a couple of chord changes for a little fade-out action. Dean Brown has a website, deanbrown.com. You know, Dean plays all over the world. And coming up right now, here in October 2016, starting on the 20th, he's all over Europe. 
bunch of Czech Republic shows, then Germany, then Poland, then maybe another Germany show, Netherlands, Spain, UK. I can't keep up with it all. But if you, if you want to keep up with it, head to DeanBrown.com. There's another musical genius I'd like to mention, Mike Keneally. He'll be on the podcast coming up very soon. That was a great interview. But he's got some shows coming up as well that I want to tell you about. Mike Keneally and Beer for Dolphins, as he likes to go out as sometimes. My buddy Brian Beller on bass and my other buddy Joe Travers on drums. And they're playing all over the U.S. starting uh, Saturday, October 22nd, Chicago and 25th and Plains, Pennsylvania, New York City, the 26th, the 27th in Vienna, Virginia, 28th in Kennett Square, PA, New Jersey Prague House on the 29th. Where else are they playing? Narragansett, Rhode Island on the 30th, November 1st. Richmond, Virginia. You know what? You got to check out all these these dates at Keneally.com. K-E-N-E-A-L-L-Y.com. So much good stuff. He's even coming back to the L.A. on November 6th. Baked potato. The tater. Maybe I'll see you there. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of stuff that really stuck with me after hanging out and jamming with and discussing music with Dean Brown. If you don't know your Roberta Flack tunes that well, the tune we're jamming on at that point of the interview is called Feel Like Making Love. And uh, lovely tune. Great set of changes. Um, sure hope you enjoy this. You're going to dig how Dean Brown respects the groove, respects the melody, and how he taught Michael Brecker how to do laundry and other such hilarious adventures. As always, thanks to Zoom, too, for the uh, H6 handy recorder that I use to record this and all the other 34 episodes and many more to come in the future. So, without further ado, and remember, this one is so long, it's good. I I, I have to give you every second of it because it's all valuable. But it is one of the longer ones, so there won't be an outro. But I will remind you, before we step into that copter and head over to Exotic World Headquarters in Van Nuys, California, to please keep it alive till you're 95. No, the time is safe.
That's great, man. I was about to start filming you there because you doing so much funk i know i know you want to just jump out of the chair i could just tell know, watching always, you play man that's always me you know I, I, it's yeah. so funny like uh when i'm i you know i always tell people like when i'm recording uh, in my house or something like that and uh if people are looking in the window they probably think what the heck is going on because because i'm i'm the if what you see on stage that's me you know what I mean? that is you <laughs> it's not like uh it's it's i you know so many people comment you know uh, about my physical movement and stuff it's like apparently it's a part of what people like about me for some reason what and yeah it's, you're and into it's a, it and it's a thing that I, that mortifies me more than anything else like i like it's really hard for me to watch a video of myself because of that because it's like you know uh i don't know you know it's just a lot you know it's it's kind it's it's you know, it's a lot of lot going on there. You know? No, no, it's great. <laughs> you know I mean, what it is, I man. I just feel music in my body, and I can't yeah. help it. You know what I mean? So I just let it. I I think it's really important for whoever you are as a player to let your let you be you, so that you, so the music can come out. You know what I mean? If you try to like hamstring it with some sort of you know, well, it you know that doesn't look very good, or that does look good. You know, in yeah. either one of those things, it's gets in the way man it's noise yeah. you know it's you're the opposite of shoegaze yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i think it's great it's like you're playing like a drummer like drummers you can see the music by watching them and i can if see the music by watching you even if you can't if you can't see the music by watching a drummer he's probably not doing anything you want to hear Good point, you know what huh? i mean i mean most everybody i know in that you know um you know most i'll, I'll say most drummers i know that i really like look like they're dancing when they're playing Right. You know what I mean? You could yeah. see it. They're, they're, they're dancing. You know, I mean, yeah. some, it, certainly some kind of interpretive dancing at, at a certain, <laughs> on, on a certain level, but, yeah. but it still looks like dancing to me, you know? Man, you've played with some of the sickest drummers. Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a couple I haven't played with that, that I, you know, but for the most part, I, I've played with a, a lot of really great drummers. I know. You know. Well, like you've done a bunch of work with Billy Cobham, with right? With Billy Cobham, yeah. yeah. You know, what do you, what's the takeaway from all the touring and probably recording and stuff? You've yeah, I mean, well, you know, the, Billy for me was one of my greatest mentors, much more than any guitar player I ever sort of interacted with. Because um, um, the thing is, I think when you're when you're playing um, with in a band situation. Nine times out of ten, we don't get to do this. We don't get to play two guitars together. You know what I mean? It's like right. it's just not. Usually, there's one guitar player, and there's a keyboard player, and a, you know, and whatever, a bass player and a drummer. And so, I think learning how to interact with those people has probably been more beneficial for me than sort of, you know, getting in a room and shedding with another guy. You know, even though even though that now would probably help me more. You know, right. now that I feel like I've 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 got a firm uh, understanding of what what it's supposed to be to be a a, a, a team player, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm good at that, you know. Uh, but now it's more, you know. I have a lot of fun. Like this for me is just just fantastic to have somebody like as great a rhythm guitar player as you are, as a, any kind of guitar player that you are. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> you know, no, but I mean, it's a it makes it. It's inspiring. I mean, you know, this 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 stuff can't be done in a vacuum. I mean, you can't just. I mean, I can't. I can't right. sit there and, like, it's because of what you were playing just now, 
that's what started to get me out of my seat. Not, it, ah. it, you know what I mean? It's a cumulative effect. It's, it's, the, yeah. it's, the, uh, it's the effect of both of us. Well, you can just get in the zone so fast. That's what people used to say, like about Steve Ray Vaughan and stuff, is that he would just get in the zone the second he started yeah, playing. Yeah, ha- don't you have to? I mean, you know, you know how it is. I mean, if you, the faster you get in the zone, the yeah. better music is, right? You know, so why wait? You know, <laughs> you <laughs> right know? on. Well, let's yeah. maybe jam on a Billy Cobham tune. I was thinking, what, I, okay. probably the only one I know can or I can remember that know that I know is Stratus or something. Okay, Stratus it? sounds good. How, yeah. do you, how do you play? I'll just catch up with you. Okay. Um, um, well, I'll tell you what I'll... Yeah. What is it? Dude, what's that pedal? I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> okay. No, we, we don't... Well, no, tell no, me no. afterwards. We don't want the people listening to this show to know what that cool sound is. Just for you and me. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding around. <laughs> That's the subbing up. Uh, it's at the... Uh, uh, TC just came out with this thing, and uh, it's yeah. awesome because what the coolest thing about it Besides that it tracks well, you know. I mean, even when I'm, like I say, even when I'm doing pull-offs, right? Right. It's still, it's right there with me. But the thing, the coolest thing about this pedal is that it's polyphonic. So, so when I play triads or something like that, or... You know, it's all of those notes. So it's uh, that's just that's just amazing. So you know, you don't have to worry. You know how when so, you yeah. when you turn on octavers before you had to be careful not to play two notes at once because it would freak out. You know, so this one's not like that. So all the octaves work together in harmony, so in to har- speak. Yeah, in har- yeah. So you know, yeah, that sounds great. Kind of like those electro harmonics pedals too. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, the higher you play on the neck, the more it sounds like an organ to me, because that's, you know, what the drawbars are like. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm. You know. Right, right. You know, it has that little bit of organy kind of thing. Yeah, you know, when it sounds great. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, hit me with some Stratus. Yes, yes, yes. Uh...
job, DJ. straight doing kicks in your chair. You're doing kicks. <laughs> What's the ending lick? So, man, I, I remember seeing Billy Cobham once. It was a, some joker in the crowd right in the middle of his most intense drum solo. Yeah, yeah. Broke it down to nothing. You could hear a pin drop. He's thinking... Someone goes, Paradiddle! <laughs> and he just stopped playing in the middle of a solo, and then he just said, three, four, and started the band again. Like, it ruined his concentration. <laughs> and they went back into the song. But, of course, he did some more solos later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's... I think we've all heard stuff like that. I got one for you with <laughs> yeah. Billy Cobham. I was with Billy Cobham. We were playing uh, at uh, um, Blues Alley in D.C. You know that club? Well, you I know because Eva Cassidy recorded a great live. She, she okay, passed away. You've never, you never been there? I've never been there. It's a cool place. It's been there for many years. A lot of music in those walls, you know? Yeah. Sort of like the baked potato, but, but like a kind of a more upscale room, but... I'm just talking about the fact right. that there's been so much music played in there, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I was playing there with Billy Cobham, uh, Victor Bailey, and Tom Coster. So it was a pretty, pretty yeah. intense band, you know what I mean? And uh, we're playing this ballad, right? And so, you know, um, we got done playing ahead, you know, and... and, and the mood was perfect everything was great you know it was like this perfect sort of blank canvas for me to to start painting on you know so i just you know lightly took my brush you know and you know just put right. a little little bit of just a little <laughs> bit of color on it you know just like i'm just playing hardly anything you know just to kind of get it and this guy in the back of the room 
goes like this. He goes, don't get scared now. You're up there now. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was so funny because he, he misinterpreted yeah. my sort of uh, yeah. minimal, mis- minimalistic thing as to, uh, as to being like some sort of uh, fear yeah. of taking a guitar <laughs> solo, which has never been yeah. something that's uh, even yeah. occurred to me. You know, I mean, I, I, uh, it's so funny because... I mean, a lot of people, when they solo, I think they, they feel a lot of pressure, you know. Um, but I, I never feel that because I don't, I'm automatically going in there not thinking that what I have, what I'm about to play is going to be good or bad. That's not, never really been interested in that. I'm just interested in getting to the, you know, getting into the getting flow. Into the you know what I mean? Yeah, just to find that flow. And so, that's the, good. Even if it's not memorable to me or anyone else, it's really yeah. irrelative. You it's know? hard to not feel that pressure, though. I mean, I've, I'm, I would call myself more of a rock player, but I've done a lot of like jazz yeah, you've gigs. Done a, you've done a pretty broad palette of stuff. Done some you know? stuff. I did like in a lot of acid jazz and stuff, where yeah. you know a great sax player like Joshi Marshall from San Francisco just take it to the moon and back, and the whole room goes crazy. Right, right, right. And then it's your turn to take a guitar solo right after. That. I mean, it's I feel a little pressure sometimes in that situation. Okay, it's, I used to. Then you know. I started playing with the Brecker Brothers, you know, and 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 with like you know with Marcus Miller and all these hacks, and uh, and and the, and there was a, a number of night, a number of solos where the guitar solo follows the sax solo with Michael Brecker. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at that point, it's just you know you you kind of say you know what I have I still have an obligation to myself to just tell a story here, you know? That's all. So I'm not even going to pretend that that there's some sort of um, thing that I have to equate with what just happened, except for that in, in, a, in the bigger bigger picture of saying, okay, well, this, you know, a song is, you know, or, or you know, a piece of music right. that we're playing is not solos and, uh, and the melody, and it's all one thing. It's, you know, so in that context, it has to, you know, there's got to be a, I guess, a, a sort of an energy curve or whatever that has to kind of, you know, sound compositionally um, valid, you know. Right. But beyond that, man, I don't even, I don't worry about that stuff. Most guitar players, you know, a lot of the kids I teach, I'm like, their technique is way better than mine and stuff, you know, but they just, they're not, re- they're not capable of telling a story yet. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, at the end of the day, if you, if you're just, worrying about if you're just worrying about that just let me try to tell a story and worry about the notes not worry about what people think about me or what i think about myself you know because that's all noise right you know that that just gets in the way of you being able to to uh to get that connection you know with the audience or with the universe or whatever it is that you're trying to connect with you know that's a good point. You just got to yeah. get to that place, like when you're sitting on the couch and you're not judging or listening to anything exactly. or anyone, or just you're just following your own story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know we're sitting in a little room here at Exotic Worldwide Isn't Headquarters, so or at least U.S. Headquarters. Yeah. And Worldwide U.S. Headquarters, if that makes any sense. Yes. <laughs> but mate, could you like, could I possibly play something where you would sort of tell a story, like you're saying with a solo? I know we don't have a full band here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Absolutely, man. Um, like uh, some kind of groove or song or. I mean, you could even do that, just, just whatever, like, uh, 
Just you know that thing that we were playing before, where we were just playing like A minor and then went down to G minor, kind of yeah, something yeah. like that. Sure. Let's just do that. So um, yeah, start off. about funk but first Thank mm-hmm. you. 
<laughs> dude. Now you teach so many students at MI, and I know that in the limited teaching that I've done there, one of the main things students need to work on is rhythm and subdivisions. Yeah. And, yeah. And speaking that language and, and learning you do, to feel that's something you do naturally, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people it doesn't come to them. A lot of really good guitar players. You probably noticed it. You know what I mean? Really good guitar players, professional guitar hmm. players, professional guitar players, that their rhythm is lacking. Hmm. You know what I mean? Their their ability to to make you. Um, do you know who put it really well? Um, Vadim. You know, yes. you know Vadim. He said Vadim Silberstein. Yes, yes. Uh, of Earth, Wind, and Fire fame. That's right. And he, um, he, he put it in a way that really capsulized it for me. You know, it's like, okay, that's I'm going to steal that from you because that's exactly what what uh, speaks to me in terms of of what I need to hear in in a in, right. a, in a someone playing rhythm. And he said. I need to hear the drummer. So what he's saying is he wants right. he wants to feel the drums even though they're not there. Right. When you're playing when you're playing rhythm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that makes so much sense. And, that, and I said, "Well, damn, that's what I've been doing my whole life." You know what I mean? Is yeah. that's exactly and I just didn't know what to how to phrase you it. You know, I didn't know how to you know, right, how, how to articulate it. You know what I mean? So and there it yeah. is in a nutshell. A lot of guitar players not guitar players, a lot of musicians. Because it doesn't matter what instrument it is. Michael Brecker plays, you hear the drummer. Yeah, John Coltrane point. plays, you hear the drummer. You know what I mean? Wow. So uh, I think it was like, wow, this is like really a... Uh, even though, you know, obviously it was something that you've done your whole life, I've done my whole life, now we got a way to, you know, sort of... Sort of uh, express it to people right. that that maybe hopefully hopefully illustrates it in a in a more colorful way you know so that because whatever you can do to to try to get um try to get students in particular but but even more so guys you know professionals guys that you have to play with yeah to embrace the idea that that it's got to feel good more than anything else the notes don't matter the notes just absolutely don't matter. I can play something that feels good in a complete, and I know you know what I'm talking about, in a completely different key than you're playing in. But as long as it feels good, it's like it sounds okay, you know? Right, But right. the opposite never sounds good. Like, it play the greatest lick in the world, but if it's like, if it's not swinging or it's not funky or whatever it's right. supposed to be, that sounds like the drummer, you know. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It it, it doesn't work. So that, that's interesting, right? You know, that's that's, a, that's the, it's always good when you're trying to teach students. And I defer to you as as a great teacher because you've done so much. You did show them the end goal, which is what you're talking about. The end goal is it's got to feel good. It's got to feel good. All this other stuff is just you know. Well, you know me. I mean, you know me. You you know you've been at the school a long time, and you and we've interacted, you know, on on a number of occasions while you were the head of the department and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, I just have basically two rules for for music, you know, and then everything else is sort of optional. But these the two rules are really simple. It's just got to feel good, and it's got to be beautiful. You know right. what I mean? And all the other stuff is great you know but it has n not without those being uh, the sort of the two legs yeah. that you stand on you know well maybe we could go into your history like 
What's the first thing that you remember where, I mean, we all, I know you love music since you were probably a toddler, but yeah. we all do. Yeah. But when did you, what's the first time you noticed some music that just made you feel good? Like, you're like, whoa. Oh. It's, it's like when you were probably six years old or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, I, yeah. One of the, there were a few things. One of them was specifically Ray Charles doing uh, What I Say. Nice. You know? Because I didn't know what he was playing. I didn't even know it was a piano. Because right. it was a Fender Rhodes, right? I mean, I didn't yeah. know. It was like, what the, I don't know what that is, you know? Um, and then I could tell somehow, and that I'm going to probably get in trouble for this, but I, I've been in trouble before I got out of it. You know? But uh, I could tell with the Beatles that what they did felt really good. Like, they were vi- like right. somehow their music... You know, really made you tap your foot, but the Beach Boys didn't. Even though I loved the Beach Boys, I could tell that there that there wasn't as much of a sort of a connection to this to the sort of R and B groove, you know, sort of thing that there point. was with the Beatles. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so there was there was that. You know, I could hear that, and like I, I loved both of those bands, the Beach Boys and the Beatles, but the but the Beatles right. had this extra element, and you can hear it in their all their earlier records. You know, every all their records actually. But there, yeah. there's a this detail yeah. that's given to the rhythm section arrangement. That uh, and the feel is always never falters. What's Pe- a good example of one of these early Beatles tunes? Oh, I mean, it, you know, you can just go on forever, like Help, you know, yeah. or uh, or We Can Work It Out. You know, I mean, yeah. or you go, you know, b- before that, and um, and uh, um, I want to hold your hand. Look at how funky uh, um, "Come Together" is, right? Yeah. And um, but of course, a big part of that is uh, is Billy Preston in that in yeah. that case. But still, there was this sort of rhythm arrangement. It wasn't just banging around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just playing a beat. Yeah. Anytime you hear the isolated track of a drum beat and you know what that song is, like within a couple of, you know, bars, yeah. that's a good thing. You that's know what a, I mean? Yeah. That means that the, the drummer's doing something right, you know? Because yeah. on the other side of it, with drums, you know, like we were talking about, like we were talking about we need to hear the drummer in what we do. The drummer needs to indicate the song. In what he plays or he or she plays, you know, right, right. so back at you, you know what I mean, kind of thing. You know, there's a, yeah, there, you know, that's really important as well. You know, so true. Yeah, I love the way that drummers who sing play, generally. Interesting. And I mean, like you know, Phil Collins, right? Wait, you know, is a, you know, yeah. Karen Carpenter. I know it's mind-boggling to see those videos. Her just throwing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's uh, these things. Uh, what was the name of the guy? What was the name of the? Uh, um, I'm your vehicle. That what? Hmm. Well, I think he was. It was the drummer that was sang that tune. I, I could be wrong. What, I, you know. what song is this? Sorry. I'm, you know, I'm your vehicle, baby. I take you anywhere you want to go. Cause I love you. <laughs> Great nice. God in heaven. You know. You know whatever. You know. Right. Right. Um, you never heard this song? You know, it's it's, ho- like I recognize like, it when you sing it. The song is coming through your singing, which is good. That's <laughs> what we're talking about. 
you know. Uh, what made you want to pick up a guitar the first time? Like, was there a specific... What was your first riff you remember playing? For me, I mean, I remember... Well, see, you're way hipper but no, than me. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> actually, me. actually, no, the first one I remember was... I mean, come was, on, be honest, you liar. No, no, that, no I mean, thing. I couldn't play like that. <laughs> My neighbor upstairs had a guitar. He put masking tape under the fret to memorize... Where the, oh, really, the, really? You know, oh, I mean, it wasn't... My, uh, not, I, ha I have a cousin named Steven, <laughs> and he played guitar before I did. Played guitar, you know. Right. Uh, he owned a guitar. <laughs> um, and, um, and he could play House of the Rising Sun. That's and uh, to me, that was like the most amazing like thing, you know. It's a beautiful song. You know, yeah. it's like... Right. Yeah, play a little bit. Just it's nice to it's nice to like color these things. All right, start again. I'm doing Eric Burden's part. I nice, heard that song nicely. You know. I heard the song read that was such a much amazing vocal track, but it really God, is. You I know? digress. And you know, that's a, I, I, um, who wrote that tune? Not them. Right? Yeah, I don't know. It was an old. It was yeah, a, yeah. you know, but that didn't matter. The the thing about it was that it was like, it was chords. You know, it was like, you know, you, if you could play House of Rising Sun, you knew you kind of knew a lot of chords. Right. You know, that's a good point. And and still uh, didn't know the F chord though. Huh? I guess you did. That was always the. That's the one that almost made me quit guitar. And the F chord is the one that actually inspired me. Because that's the one where I realized... You know what I mean? That it was yeah. the same. And I went, oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. was like, so... You know, I was... I'm so into uh, talking to uh, students about, uh, about relativity. And it's like, if you know an F chord, then, then you know like a uh then you know a d minor seven chord like if you know an f major chord you know a d minor seven chord you know what i'm saying right or if you know a if you know an f chord then you know an a flat seven uh natural 13 flat nine chord see what i mean like um okay <laughs> see what i'm that's saying a little, that's like, conceptually and literally a stretch from the f <laughs> it, it, but not you take the low note move it up one fret Right, with your fourth finger, and then put the A flat down there. Right, right. So, so, and see what all that is. I mean, and and then then it makes you think. Okay, well then that means there's triads all over the place that we're using unwittingly. You know? Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So all yeah. I did was play a bunch of triads, right? You know. What are some of the surprising ways that triads show up in? Like, so, like in in that case, say I say a G major over A. So I'm I'm now where I'm headed is to D major, right? So I'm gonna play G, F sharp. So that yeah. sound by itself, it's like, well, how is that D major, right? But as soon as I go, see what I mean? And then, um, then, uh... It's like the top part of a D major 9 chord. 
It's like a it's like a D major like major seven with nine, right? right? Except for there's no third in it. So it actually that even that that chord is even effective like this as a D minor chord. And there it is again. See the the major triad, right? D minor with a major seven. Right. So yeah. it's uh it's just one of those it's one of those kind of things. And you know, if you start looking at chords See what I mean? Start seeing the triads everywhere. Right and then the yeah. maybe uh single chord I'm playing has a triad on top every single one you know what I mean so that those those yeah. types of things man are just uh, the, the whole idea of triads is amazing you know what I mean you know what you can do yeah. with them you know totally and, then and not only as not only as a as a, a comping tool but as as a soloing too as an improviser like if you take a Take the A major triad and the E flat triad. I'm sure you've done that. You messed around with that. I think you so. Made a six note scale out of it. So uh, you say, look. So yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? It's kind of like a whole half thing, almost. Almost, but it, you know, it's yeah. more. It's more. It, it's more related scale. to. Um, that would be like yes exactly yeah right you know. but it's interesting what you're saying to you get those two triads from because the e flat gives you uh it's kind of altered in a way but the only thing yeah. is is that uh, you know obviously with an a chord there's going to be an e in it so that would kind of make it not altered you know so like you right. say it could it, it could fit into the whole half thing you know what i mean uh as a well there, i mean this know, is the two most distantly related major triads pretty much except tritone away you know so how do you use that little six note beast uh, well i mean you know again what if you if you're if you're trying to go from um uh from a well you use it in static situations oh yeah static is great yeah i mean of course you, So it's you yeah. know, it's got so, so it's really great for that purpose. But the other, th you know, obviously, if I just went like that, and that last chord yeah. was uh, like if you said, say you played, uh, you know, a set like, you know, something like that, and then played uh, went to D major or D minor, either okay. one. Which tell me which one you're gonna do. Okay, I don't know. Is it so D minor, minor, I guess. That's fine, D minor. Yeah. So, so if I said, now you're gonna uh, now on that chord instead of making yeah, a right. D minor non, uh, D minor seven, make a D minor six. Yeah, yeah. So can you grab a hold of that? Yeah. Right. So. See what I mean? Yeah. And if you had made a D major, you could have uh, approached that as well. Yeah. Like, look. Uh, 
See what I mean? Yeah. And there I chose instead of playing, instead of playing um, the D major uh, arpeggio, you know, the D major seven arpeggio, yeah. I chose instead to play F sharp minor arpeggio. You know, the triad again. The extensions. But it's yeah, extensions. But 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 what's really what what's really more important is that is this idea of hearing this uh, polyharmony. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. On top of stuff, and I think that that just creates. We, we're so comfortable with that, man. The first chords we learned were triads, right? You know what I mean. Everybody yeah. just learned, you know, how to go. Right, right, yeah. right. Everybody learned that, and so we're still. That's still in our ear from yeah. being when we were kids. When you first started learning to play piano, and you had to play like these simple mm-hmm. etudes, and it was all just major minor, you yeah. know, and now. Now it's all major and minor, except for over something else. So right. there's these two things going on at the same time, you know, because our brains are capable of, you know, yes. discerning that triad out of there, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's tempting to spend your whole life just in triads. And you can't. You know what? One of the things I uh, I make students do is I say, okay, so take like um, the, like we just did A and start with an E major, right? Right. And say, okay, how could you use that? How could you use that? How could you use that? Just you know what I mean? That. And we, we already talked about up. that. Yeah. Ah, there's sus chord. Yeah. Right. But it's not just a sus chord. That also works over a, if like play A minor seven flat five. You know what I really? mean? Because you that. That's cool. And you get a little bit of a clashy you know thing I mean? going on there. Yeah, but I mean because it. Yeah, right. It goes in. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the, the, the so triad in you... and of itself is a little funny, but, you know. Yeah. Or, um, actually, if you had did it did it with... Uh, you and Dan Gilbert must have fun with triad there parties. There you go. <laughs> Play A again. A minor 7 flat 5. Yeah, that's beautiful. See that? You know, it's yeah. a little it's it's a little hairy, but it's 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 in the universe because it's um, um, if A minor seven flat five is the same thing as C minor six, right? Yeah. Or, or C minor major seven, something like that, right? If we're calling those two the same, then this chord, if you put a C under it, right? Right. So whether you have a C in the bass or an A in the bass. This is what I'm talking about, relativity. Whether you have yeah. a C in the bass or you have an A in the bass, it's the same sound. Exactly. You know? And so that's what I love about triads, you know what I mean, is that, is that you, can, um, you can find all these really interesting uh, uses for them. Um, and like I said, not only as a, um, uh, as a um, comping tool, or or chord soloing tool or something, but as a uh, for soloing as well. I mean, just that yeah. just that thing we did with uh, with A and E flat, right? I mean, you know, we say, you know what I yeah, mean? That's, that's just the same, right? I hear that sound a lot. See, see, you knew you knew it right away because that's a it's ubiquitous. Yeah. We play it all the time. Mm. Yeah, I think they all. 
You know, you know what I mean? I always hear that in movie soundtracks. That <laughs> kind of. A... Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, because that. it's uh, you know, it's it's tension, but it's 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 dramatic. Right. It's not like um, it's not scary because that's diminished. That's the yeah. that's the realm right. of diminished, <laughs> right? And like augmented, that's the realm of dream sequence, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah, fantasy sequence. Right. Right. But uh, I think it's, uh, you know, the more you get into uh, um, just how just how vast the possibilities are with triads, because then and then you start adding approach. To... So all I yeah. played was a major, right? But right. I, but I, you know, but I put a bunch encircled of circled it with a... circled it right with a bunch of stuff and. We... Right, right. Yeah. If I'm doing it in A major. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? So, yeah. so. You know what I mean? And right. uh, and then, just like I said, all right, so that was A major, right? So if that's A major, play F sharp, F sharp minor nine. Like that. Like? Yeah, like that. Very nice. There it is. See what I'm right. saying? So it's like that's two for one right there. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. It's, it's 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 twelve for one, right? Because that's it, pretty sly. It, it, there's uses for it every all the way up and down, right? You know. Yeah. Thank God, good. because that way I don't have to learn as much. <laughs> <laughs> also, I thought you were going to say thank God, because that way you won't get bored, because there's endless. <laughs> well, there's that too, but but no, but right. I mean that goes both ways. I'm very interested in make in getting people getting people moving into into being able to say something on the guitar you know as fast right. as possible so what better way to do that than to say show me what you know just play some shit you know on the guitar you know what i mean yeah. okay that one that thing right there play that but instead of playing it when it's a minor play it when it's you know b minor you see what i'm saying or something yeah, yeah. like that and watch what happens and then you're gonna you right, know right then st good things start happening you know what i mean because now all of a sudden you your ears start becoming inspired by all this new color you know that you already yeah. knew how to play physically right and then you, you just, know you're just you're juxt what's the word superimposing and superimposing kind of or whatever but but at a certain level you know and i'm sure i'm i know i know i've seen you play so mm -hmm. i know that you you know what i'm talking about at a certain level there stops being notes and chords, and it's just, you're just moving up. I'm going up. I'm going down. And that kind of, when you can get to that, based on all the, um, your history, I mean, there's three pillars of improvising, in, in my opinion, right? Um, in terms of, of what you need to work on. You know, to be to be a good improviser. The first one is ears, ear training, you know, whatever. I mean, that's, more important than anything else you know that feeling when you hit the when you hit a note that was in your head it was like if i hit this note right here it's gonna be fucking great you yeah. know if i hit this note right here and you hit it and that that rush of euphoria yeah goes through your body you know what i'm talking about you know and then and then you're like now you're playing your brain has received some good drugs from from your body you yeah. know like the good kind of drugs, good drugs not the stupid drugs you know and now all of a sudden your brain and your hands everything's working better 
better than you were capable of making it work because it's it's like in an elevated consciousness level you know so totally. so ears is you know is like that that's kind of the, the first one. pillar then the then the, the second pillar is lexicon you have to um learn a ton a boatload of of licks in whatever genres it is that you like you know not necessarily yeah. to play them but just to have a a, a language that makes sense in, in that in whatever genre it is that you're that you're speaking not necessarily to play licks specifically but you have yeah. to have a lexicon of of quote unquote licks you know and then uh, and then the third thing is technique and technique is all about learning all your arpeggios all over the neck and you know learning every scale and every uh, patterns and all these different things so that when your ears hear something they yeah. can connect the genre specific licks to it, you know they can connect them together in an elegant way that has that is facilitated by your technique so those three things if you you know yeah. you can't leave any one of them out if you want to be a really great improviser you know yeah. that's cool it takes you know just a minute to understand those three things of what they are and a lifetime to and a lifetime you know <laughs> you learn. never get it. you never get it and that's the yeah. beauty isn't it and that, that's the coolest thing about music is that it's just a journey with no destination you know or, what I mean? Yeah. It's just a journey. So, so you get on the train, and you're on, and you're in, and it's and it's great, and it's like you can look out the window, and and the train just keeps going, and you you know you know one minute you're in the Alps, and then the next minute you're in like uh, Patagonia. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. it's trippy. You know what I mean? But but you know it just keeps going. Not just and it doesn't just go around. It kind of goes in a you know and it's sort of a spiraling thing so it just never repeats itself you know helix huh a helix through the cosmos it's kind of a helix through the cosmos where 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 there's things that seem similar yeah you know what i mean but they're not exactly the same you know and that so it's fantastic right and that's and it's i think the problem is is that with a lot of people is that they're looking for a um you know a, a way to quantify when they've arrived you know and that that's that's not going to work that's just not going to work because then you get you get sad yeah because it's not going to happen it's not going to happen right because right when you think you've arrived it's like i always say you walk okay you finally got the key to the door that door that that is the answer to everything you got the key you got it you open the damn door right and there's like 20 doors in that in there you know, and now you got to get the keys to those and choose one of them because you can't choose them all. You can't go through all of them at the same time. So it's yeah. it's just not nonstop. This is like some Narnia shit. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> why, you know, why would people think of that kind of stuff if it yeah. wasn't obviously evident in the in the just um, natural state of what whatever creativity is, you know, so that all of that kind of stuff, fantasy isn't really fantasy at that point it's just uh uh you know an extension of 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 what's kind of what pot what's possible you know now you got so much cool stuff on the new album rola jafufu rola jafufu yeah, rola yeah. jafufu yeah. now 
the, the lampshade song explained it do, isn't that the same as funk it in a similar way to it's the less mccann exactly now you did, so you co-wrote that with less back in the no. day no 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 that's uh, lampshade <laughs> was always there lampshade was always they there. just put lyrics to it they put lyrics to it that's and made it funk it right Oh, okay. Exactly. But it I was just a, got confused because this Lamp came Show, out we've later. We've been playing that song f- since, she's uh, like the early 80s or something like that. You know yeah, what I mean? I I, that. That, that song, you know, uh, that song was always sort of our uh, our closer, you know? Yeah, you well, know? let's groove like it, a, man. What is that? It's just... That's just some fast little sixteenth notes there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This is a really cool group. We'll try it. We'll try it. Uh, but we'll, we'll do a, a little more hair on it. Yeah, do uh, it. Uh, shit, I don't know if I can play it that fast. If I start dragging, crap. Thank you. 
Now, really I don't fun. think I play quite that fast that often. Like, I mean, that's that's kind of pushing you it for sixteenths. I can feel it in my forearm. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, you're hustling, man. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh, sorry. You know, Hadrian like will say like, "Hey, man, play it faster." You know, and at a certain point, it's not funky anymore. But you could, you know, that that little thing because it's a trick. You can right. play it. You know, you know, pulling off the. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can you can play it fast because of the pull-off thing, you know. Sure. Um, gets a little harder to solo on though, you yeah. know. Like and it. the drummer's yeah. got a really, you know. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I don't either. I don't either. Bass players, especially. Yeah, yeah. Where they got, you know, man, you know, I just I just uh, recently um, the drummer that's playing with me. Um, in uh, in Long Beach is a guy that I've pl I've played with quite a bit over the years. I played together in David Sanborn's band, and uh, and he played in my band before that. Um, a drummer named Rocky Bryant. He's currently playing with Average White Band, and has been for quite some time. And so down in uh, San Diego um, at Humphreys, uh, like a week or two ago. Um, there was a show, it was Average White Band and uh, Tower of Power, right? And Rocco Prestia, man. Well, Average yeah. White Band sounded great. They sound, you know, they just, yeah. they sound like they always do. It's just like, wow, you know, that's what, that's what funk without all the mess, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just real straight up. You know, yeah, it's great, you know? And, and um, um, but then Tower of Power came on and, these grooves that, that Rocco Prestia is, are, uh, is playing right now, I mean, it, it, you know, with all these, like, you know, because his body's been 
completely replaced by other people's body parts, you know, mm. like, you know, he's yeah. got a, a, a liver from somebody and a, and a kidney from somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's funny. They joke about it. They say, listen, if you have any, any <laughs> internal organs that you don't need, you know, <laughs> you know, donate them when you leave and because I'm sure he's going to need it, you know, for, but uh, it's uh, kind of yeah. funny, but, but man, no, but talking about his, um, his bass playing because he's the the quintessential 16th guy right you know oh, yeah. you know it's it's just amazing you know and you hear him do it and it's 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 effortless it's that's the thing that makes it it yeah. sound amazing is how good it feels it's just effortless you know <laughs> Some people, you know, arguably could say that there, without without him, there's no Jocko. Because Jocko, I mean, obviously uh, Jocko was a genius, and well, Jocko would have been something. He would have been something. Element of his he, that wouldn't have. I don't think that element would have been there because that's right. a big, big part of of how he perceived yeah. groove-oriented music. You know, yeah, totally. is that that sort of you know sixteenth, you know, no no slap, you know, just straight meat and yeah. potatoes. You know, yeah, and, I saw uh, them one time. It was amazing. I saw a free concert, Tower Power. It was kind of a deep experience. It really is. The horns, man. people forget how incredible a good horn section is. They're just incredible, man. Yeah. They're just incredible. And, I, you know, I got, I fortunately got to see them back in the day, you know, when yeah. it was uh, Lenny Pickett playing, um, you know, saxophone and Chester Thompson playing organ, you know. And they're still great, you know. Their oh, band's man, still, it's, it's phenomenal. It's Bay Area, huh? where I'm from, man. Those guys. Oh, right, 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 right. So play weddings with a lot oh, of those horn that, players. That's why you play with, uh, <laughs> with Jefferson Starship, the. That's is it. Is that a connection? Well, I mean, I suppose I used. To I mean, is it? I mean, did they know you from up that way or something? You know, I did play with Donnie Baldwin, the drummer, in a, in the JGB, which is members of the Jerry Garcia band, like ten years earlier. That same management. So there is it's, some. Yeah, there's I some mean, kind yeah. of little vicarious yeah. thing there. Okay, yeah, definitely. That... Kathy, the singer, she. I met her in San Francisco, but she lives in Chicago. But I mean, yeah, it's a small world, and of course, but yeah, I mean, there's I, a little but, bit of a psychedelic connection. I was going to say there. Yeah, yes. you need that. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I, we, we, we make too light. I think sometimes of, uh, of the those types of things where we came from and how yeah. and how important they are to who we are as players, you know. Well, you play with Les McCann and Roberta Flack and, and they're connected, right? Yeah, absolutely. You discovered her, I guess, according to Right, 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 you know. Books. I guess yeah, that you could yeah. I've read that. That's that, I think there's some truth to that, you know. And, um, who did you meet first? Um I met Les first, you know. I mean, um and Roberta, not long after. This was all back in. Um, um, I met I met Les C way before actually. I met Les in the early '80s, you know, mm. and then um, uh, and then I met Roberta uh, in the early '90s, you know. So you know that's a major force in the vocal universe and, and she really is and and you know that's one of our national treasures i don't yeah. people i you know you know young people need to go revisit her music because it's so important and her music is not just r&b it's so vast you know 
I mean, she's a great jazz singer, and then she's got that sort of uh, folky Nina Simone yeah. kind of thing, you know. Um, you know, she knows every Nina Simone tune. One t- man, when you play with her, you got to put your crash helmet on because first place you don't know what key the song's going to be in. What you know? Because really? she, well, because she, she sings in the key that she feels comfortable. So if she's feeling good, it's, you know, she raise it up a little. If she, right. You know, and um, and then. Uh, like I said, she's got this enormous repertoire because she was one of these people um, that, you know, for years she was in like the, the sort of bar circuit in D.C., you know, around Howard yeah. University and stuff. And so she was she would just play for hours on end you know, other people's music, you know, and she remembers all of those damn songs, you know, but she obviously was a very, you know, big fan of uh of Nina Simone and you know a lot of other people, but Nina Simone in, in particular, and uh, and so you know yeah. some nights, man, we play for three hours, and 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 a good hour of it would be like Nina Simone <laughs> tunes that none of us really knew that well because she, you know would she play them on piano? Yeah, she can lead well, you she's a, it, so you know yeah. she was a uh, in in Howard, she was an, a classical accompanist. That's right. So she you know she can get yeah. around the piano and. Lord knows, man, you know, if I play this, mm-hmm. that's okay. But if I play this, to go to F to go to F minor, right? Something like that, right? right? So I've said, instead of, she'll say, don't put that major third, you know, don't put, not in that major third. She would right. say, don't put that E in there. Wow. She's, and you're sounds, like. That smells like perfect pitch to me. Yeah, yeah, it kind of. Well, she does. Yeah, yeah, but but she, you know, she hears everything. She, you know, and so if you're one of her vocalists or something, you better do your homework because she. I mean, there's no, there's no gray area. She's, you know, she's very hard on everyone in terms of getting what she wants. You know, out of out of out of the music. You know, on every level. You know, so I I love that about her. That's great. You feel like trying that one team, was it? Sure. You know, uh, you know, uh, the way that we used to do it. Yeah. Was uh, it started with a little groove in G, and then you so you just play this little nice little groove in G sus, you know. You know. Okay, I'll be busy. Something in in, in the. In, Thank you. 
seem so unrelated. Yeah, that's why it, it doesn't, you know, what do she intro. would do, what she used to do was she used to do a groove like that, but in F. So, you know, so when you go, At uh, the end of the song, you know, I just wish we could talk about everything you've done. I mean, maybe we can just touch on a couple things. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you play with Clapton or anything? I did. I uh, I, I was really really fortunate, man. To uh, uh, we did a. I you know it was just one gig, but we rehearsed for a, like a week, you know, to do the thing. So I got to interact with him quite a bit, and I knew Eric from before that um, because. Um, as you probably know, I played with David Sanborn and Marcus Miller, and Eric worked with those guys a lot, especially David, because um, um, they did uh, they did all those movies together, the um, Lethal Weapon ah, stuff, right. you know. Um, and uh, so Eric, I can't remember if Eric was Mel and 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 you know what I mean, and and uh, and uh, Dave was Danny. <laughs> Glover or the other way around, but that but there was a definite, you know, the sax was one of the guys, and and I think it was that. I think Eric, okay. I think Eric was was uh, was Mel, and I think um, uh, David Sanborn was Danny Danny Glover. You know, right. like yeah, that was their sort of musical sort of counterpart. You know, throughout all those there was how many films is it? Like three of them or something? Twelve? Yeah, I mean, yeah. three. Yeah, it yeah, could so. be. It could be. But anyway, so. Um, uh, Eric, you know, would always, um, whenever we were in England, for sure, he would show up at, you know, gigs with uh, with David or with Marcus, you know. And um, Marcus actually, uh, um, they, they did a bunch of things together, like all-star stuff. Didn't, you know. You and, mean, wait, Clapton and Marcus? Yeah. Oh, cool. What kind of concert did you do for well, after that okay, week? Okay, well, it was um, um, it was a thing with Marcus again, and it, but it was and David. It was this thing called uh, David Sanborn's After New Year's Party, and it came after it was on ABC, I think, um, and it came after Dick Clark's you know New Year's thing, which is like still going. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, it was a really cool show. And it, I don't know, did you see any of those videos from no. that? You haven't. You have to see D'Angelo played on like um, three, maybe three tunes or two tunes. One of them is Sunshine of Your Love, and he sings Jack Bruce's part, and and, and Eric sing, you know. That's and man, awesome. so I'm playing Sunshine of Your Love with Eric Clapton. It kind of doesn't get any better than that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then and then we did uh, we did a version of uh, of uh, you know um, Crossroads. You know, yeah. so I'm gonna check those out, man. There's a tune we did a Bill Withers tune. Um, you know, uh, the one that goes, uh, "Use me, lovely day." Use me, yeah. That is unbelievable. I mean, this band is just—it's Steve Gadd, it's me, Marcus, Ricky Peterson on on keyboards. You know, uh, on organ, right. D'Angelo on vocals and uh and and fender Rhodes, and he's an unbelievable Rhodes player don elias on percussion david sanborn on saxophone and me and eric on wow. guitars <laughs> and it is That's crazy it is unbelievable the whole the whole i think the whole you can see 
parts of the whole thing, you know. It was cool that we did a version of uh, of Purple Haze that was n- that's wow. never been done before or after, you know that. This needs to be a DVD. Huh? This it was. To, it's it released? Was. It is. Oh, okay, cool. I it, should I should know this. It is. It is one. And uh, So did you have any guitar interactions with Eric or any hang time or anything? Not really. A little bit. I mean, you know, it was um uh you know, I was amazed at and I, I shouldn't be amazed you know i you know i know that a lot of guys from his from his sort of uh world play really loud uh-huh. and i was and i forgot what really loud was you know what i mean right. but uh, <laughs> man you know because you know those guys don't use pedals you yeah. know like carlos you know he doesn't yeah. use pedal you know what i mean turns the amp up really loud yeah. And, and it turns a loud amp up really loud. A loud maybe, amp up maybe really two loud amps. Yeah, up. and it sounds amazing, and you can't approximate that. You know it. You know yeah, it, right? I had the good fortune to have lunch with Daryl Jones and Stuart Ham, and you know mm-hmm. he plays bass with the Stones. But Daryl just—I just did a gig yeah. um, with Daryl. Daryl was yeah. the bass player on, on the Mike Stern thing that that Mike oh, couldn't right. do. You know, interesting. Yeah. So it was Mike Stern. It was Daryl and Dennis Chambers. We couldn't find a good rhythm section. You know. Oh you, man, slouches. Yeah. My gosh, that's crazy. But <laughs> well, yeah, you play, would, you play with you play with all those guys, right? Haven't you? Not real, not Daryl. I did. Well, you play with Dennis for sure for right? one song in Baltimore. He sat in with with us. Oh, okay, which was really we play Crossroads. As a matter of fact, see that? See what a weird little world it is. But uh, I was going to say that Daryl said Daryl said that Keith Richards was astonishingly loud, like you know, in the Stones, like you know, like that's one thing, like. You know, I never, I don't picture that guitar sound being. I picture Van Halen being loud or something like that, but or ACDC. But yeah, these cats they, they crank up those tube amps, and you a know, all of them. You turn up a, a you turn up a, a Fender Twin to get it to the point where it actually sounds good, and it's painful, right? Yeah, it'll you know what I mean? Because a Twin feelings. doesn't sound good unless you just practically elbow it, right? Yeah, and you got to turn it into a Princeton. Yeah, yeah, which will be yeah. <laughs> quite loud. But uh, but anyway, so that was a. Uh, you know that was kind of a revelation. Of course, Eric was still uh, using. Uh, I think he was u- still using a Strat with like lace sensors back then. You know, yeah. and uh, so it was bright too. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, you've got uh, the opposite of that rig here. Say, is, is this one of your signatures or is this uh, travel? Th- this is the uh, you know the DV Mark um, yeah. DV or what is it called uh, um, Micro Fifty? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Micro Fifty, great amp, um, and I'm using it on the road. You know, uh, because the thing is for me is I I need to know every night that I got something yeah. that I'm uh, that I'm I can count on. You know that yeah. it's like okay, you know this I know that this amp is going to work well and it's going to give me a uh, you know everything I need. Um, and so I I really love it. You know, and I just for those of you that are not trap you know touring and like that you know. You know when you're on when you're doing local gigs, the portability of this thing is unbelievable. That speaker cabinet, the is speaker cabinet, is light too. Yes, it's like either. if you if it if you, a one by twelve, right? You, if you if the amp wasn't on there, it would just float away. <laughs> yeah, it's like a balloon. You know? <laughs> tie it down. Maybe you could tell me what's on your pedal board too. These this is your okay. travel board, I guess, which is still stocked pretty full of some juicy toys there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked we talked right. We talked about the Robotalk first, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, you know, that's the. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, and the first thing you go into is the volume pedal, right, Ernie Ball? 
Uh, no, the 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 volume is uh, is actually the second to the last thing in the chain. Oh, okay, right, yeah. You know what I mean? So right, you, right before yeah. the delay. You, it you just know, looks it, like it's the first because it's it looks right. because because <laughs> yeah. that's where I like to have. You know, I'm a a left footed wah player. Ah, yeah. Which is, are uh, you're probably a right footed wah player, right? It's funny, Kevin Cadigan, my buddy. He he was uh, on one of these episodes in this show and. He likes to use his left foot, even though he's right foot, because he thinks it takes better pictures or something. <laughs> you know, I can play with either, but I'm more comfortable with left. You know what I yeah. mean? Like really, you know, when you when you're doing like um, well, you got the mini wah from Dunlop. The there. Mini wah, yeah, and I love it because it's it's it doesn't it's the exact same wah pedal. You know, it's the yeah, same. I right? use the same pedal. You know. Wait, now, do you have both pedals? You got both pedals on, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Which yeah. sounds cool. It does, yeah. And I used to, you know, you know, before they had, yeah. uh, well, I've been using a, an envelope filter for a really long time. I used to use the little brown MXR, which I love, and I have a, like, I have like a, a basket full of them that are all broken, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, I love that pedal too, you know. But this, uh, but this Robotalk that uh, exotic is the closest thing that I've found yeah. to it. But you know, I, I love I love the interaction of a wah. You know how yeah. it is with with your with with your yeah. strumming. Yeah, yeah. You totally. know because you can create rhythms with your foot. That, that you're not doing with your hands to create different textures, you know? So I love wah, you know, wah pedal is yeah. just... Those are great little pedals. They're so small, and you can I can stand on that. I'm a big guy, too. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because with one foot, I can stand on it. I, that's I'm right. Always, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I love it. So anyway, there's that. Um, then, of course, uh, the BB Plus, which is, uh, you know, is pretty cool because it's kind of... You know, it's like yeah. I can be, I can, it's still, it's pretty transparent, right? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, you know, so it gives yeah. you that feeling like, like almost like you're, uh, you know, like back in the day when you had a, like a Gibson Les Paul and you just yeah. turned down the, you know, ride the fur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice, you know. Yeah, that's cool. You got. You know, here's so, some triads. Yeah, and then, you know, the next thing you know, without without changing anything. Just from, you know, yeah. just from that. So that's going up. Uh, and you, you know, got a, so, uh, the, the miniature flashback from TC for Echo. What's yep. up? Kenny Etchison in the house. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Kenny. sweet tone that I'm hearing. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, man, How you doing? Trust your party. Yeah. What's going on? No, Ladies no, and gentlemen, just... Kenny Etchison. Yes, hey, Kenny hey, Etchison hey. in the house. In the exotic. Yeah. We're, we're talking about uh, uh, the, the BB Plus and some different stuff that's on the, on the pedal board. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we've just exited the exotic... Uh, uh, room and now we're w moving into the TC. Oh, but you know, <laughs> no, no, no. But you know no, what we haven't talked about is are these great new guitars? That that's right. And that's, we're so both now holding. We're, we're, we've re-entered the exotic yeah, since, room. <laughs> since we got the man here. Yeah. 
So yeah. we're both playing. Um, we're both playing these California classics. You've got the white one. I've got the black one. Except for mm-hmm. mine has a. Uh, the better neck. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the yours, different. The different neck. This, this yours is uh, with a, a rosewood, which is beautiful, and uh, I, I think it's. Uh, what, what's the radius on this one? I think it's nine or something Probably, like that. Yeah. Uh, we all have different types of radiuses. Yeah. We have to check the spec sheet all the time, but they're usually yeah. in a compound radius or they have flatter radius. Right, there. and then this one's a twelve, you know. And but this one's the roasted um, maple, which is really cool, yeah. and. Uh, it's got a lot have, of vintage pickups, which is like our hand-wound pickups right. for all the exotics. Yeah, where do you wind those pickups? Here. Right here in L.A.? Yeah. And, yeah, and cool. was this guitar made here? Yeah. Everything is made here. Wow, man. It's yeah. really delicious. I mean, they're like uh, yeah. beautifully relicked, which... Mm-hmm. Once you get into relic guitars, it's like you never want to go back to like right. a shiny, you know, glossy, plastic-feeling guitar. You know, it's funny guitar. that you said that because <laughs> I... As a rule, I always thought that was like, you know kind of douchebaggy you know what i mean you know it's like oh yeah. man again let me do my own but man these are really cool <laughs> i gotta admit it you They're know cool. i love like, it you know now roadies yeah. are gonna have to figure out how to like make a clean spot on the guitars usually they used to scratch them for you right right now now they, yeah, <laughs> the now they gotta paint they gotta make a gl- glossy spot <laughs> no. no but this guitar <laughs> no! this guitar man i haven't put it down since i got it last week it's just uh it's man it just feel i you know i started playing it and it felt like a part of me i was like uh and that hasn't happened in like 30 years yeah, you couldn't stop playing when you picked up that guitar i know man yeah, remember yeah, when yeah. i f- that was That's a couple great. months oh, ago yeah. you oh, know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. And, then it was, now, uh, and then last week when you you were just like I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guitar chose you, I think. That's. Did we ever talk about that? I don't think so. That's. That's so cool that you mentioned that because I believe that about gear. Yeah. You can got try to have all these, you know, you know, order this custom made thing and have all this stuff, and you get it, and you're like, you know, it's like. But then you pick up a guitar for no reason. Like I don't like uh, twelve inch, you know, radius. I don't like it. Right. Right. Yet this one has 12 inch radius and I love it because yeah. I I don't know why right. you know but it just uh, it just works for me. This guitar is so cool, man. You know, just the little details like the the locking. T- mm-hmm. You know, I love these tuners because they're they're locking, but they it look like vintage. they look vintage. They look like they don't weigh that much either. Like they're and lightweight. That's a, that's a big um, contributing factor, I would think, to the tone because you know any weight that you add to the neck or anything it's it's going to change the tone it's going to counterbalance with yeah. the body and, the and that too you yeah. know and then sometimes sometimes it is a good thing to have more mass on the headstock because the body's heavier or something like that so you can mount have some dead spots yeah but in this oh, these guitars this are case, this yeah, it's, it's is yours one is that one light as well I think so. It's yeah, water. it seems I, I maybe mean, right one, in the middle. This one's on the light side, which yeah, I really and, like. We pick and choose like, you know? specific weights for our bodies, mm-hmm. and then we don't choose anything that's, that's way too light or too heavy for our California Classic series, right? Especially so, we try to keep it more consistent. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, this one's light. It's nice and light. It's got a natural finish, which is nice, mm-hmm. like the old days. So, uh, hence we could. It's easy to check yeah. and easy to scratch and make dents instead of like a poly finish, which is more right. thicker and more cleaner. But at the same time, having a, a natural finish will definitely open up the tone. What is it? What is the difference between a nat- natural finish and a poly? Nitro is like a thinner lacquer finish that you spray, and then poly is kind of it's like a thicker coating that uh-huh. you use. And it's more environmentally friendly. But since we only make less than ten guitars 
a month, it's okay for us to spray nitro legally. Right. And But if, like, let's say some other company, big manufacturers start spraying nitros on all their 4,000 guitars a day kind of a thing. They just send them out to another state, get them sprayed, and bring yeah. them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. It's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, in California rules, then you can But this... Yeah. Uh, but these instruments, man, I mean, and the other, another nice thing about them is that they're really consistent. Like, you know, they play, I don't know how you, how, how you felt, but... It, oh, yeah. Man, no. I'm playing up up on the 15th, uh, 18th fret, and it's it's yeah. singing, and it's not... I don't have to work or press harder or anything, you know, it's just, you know... It's really honest, it's really, in a way... There's no dead spots, you know what I mean? And forgiving, too. Yeah, I'm pretty much in love, you know. I know a guy. I know that. I know a guy. <laughs> that guy in the mirror right there. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. I was lucky, man, because this guitar, this guitar, after I played it, went to Gibson, I mean, went to uh, um, um, Guitar Player Magazine to oh, be was... reviewed. And I thought I was never going to see the damn thing again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought somebody over there was going to, you know, Snag it. yeah, and say, hey, I got to have this, right. you know? So when it came back, I, I was here. I was like, pro, you know, yeah. like you know, had a little tent yeah, outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it here? Is it here? <laughs> yeah, you got to be there at four. Okay. Yeah. What time right, is it now? Two twelve. So. Well, fine. As long as I leave yeah. by like three. Yeah. Cool. Do you remember this song? Do you remember this David Sandward song with Marcus on bass, Chicago song or something? And I think it just... Something like that, right? And... Totally. Oh, you okay. Yeah. <laughs> It goes to like G or something? Yeah, eventually. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. Cause Cause I, did play I have that, that album because I remember that used to be on the radio when I was a teenager. Oh, yeah, 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 David yeah, Sanborn yeah. used to get a huh? little. Yeah, yeah, Chicago, Chicago song. song. Yeah. He's, there's a lot of cool songs on that album. It's real like uh, drum machine y and MIDI, but great compositions. Yeah, yeah. And then. Um, yeah, remember that I era. I remember what the bridge was. The, it's like a guitar uh, line. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, 
<laughs> yeah, man. I'm surprised I don't remember that song. I probably played it a hundred times. There's a lot of cool Marcus stuff back then. Oh, uh, man. It sure what, is, man. You played so much with him. I, man, I remember when I first started working at Guitar Player Magazine. It's like June of 2001. Okay. First album I got in the mail. I got like three records, the first that were ever addressed to me. One was Dean Brown here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Marcus played on that, right? I was like, man, this is a cool job. Yeah. You know, this kind of shit in the mail. Wow, I didn't and, know that. I didn't know that. You just, yeah. I just found that out right now. Yeah, that was I, like... I did not super, know that. Because I mean, I was that, like, was a, that was a cool record. Because um, um, I wrote a song for Marcus on that record called Gemini. He's a Gemini, you know? And uh, it was like... A, I probably can't remember that either. <laughs> uh. Uh. a cool tune and then he played a he played a um a fretless bass solo on there that's just amazing just amazing it's one of the greatest fretless bass solos i've ever heard i'm not just saying that because it was on my record or something it's ridiculous i'm gonna try to float that into the show yeah 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 play this because it's um it's just like this one yeah i wish i had that sub pedal yeah me too but, but you gotta always listen That was that's, the solo section. That's <laughs> beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then...
But like say, that the bass line there was. Uh, G. Mm. Like no, that. no. Uh, yeah. I mean C. Yeah. Mm. It's really fun to solo over these changes because you can kind of be major or minor. You know, you like uh, you can like. Uh, yeah. What are the chords? Uh, it's just. It's like, like these, these notes are just standard, but with a, uh, with a C on top. Sorry. Yeah, so, oh, I see. you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can go between major and minor, you know. And man, you play with so many cats. Let's maybe we could do some rapid fire stuff because we right. don't have time. Like, do you have any takeaways from Michael Brecker? They're late great. I mean, one. Uh, I mean, when you say, are you talking about musical stuff or just anything? Anyway, yeah. What's, what's the most <laughs> Michael never used to do laundry until he met me. Now that doesn't mean he didn't have clean clothes. <laughs> I mean, he just always he always sent them out, and it, would, and it used to offend me. I was like, man, you're sending out, you know, we're staying at like a Ritz Carlton or something. You're sending out like a, an entire like bag of la- like a giant bag of laundry. That's like three hundred Like three hundred, four hundred dollars, <laughs> you know, to do that. I said, man, you got to go to a laundry laundromat with me man i said it's liberating it's like a, it's it's zen i mean there's this cool thing about folding clothes and like you get away from the whole you know tour you know you don't even think about what you're doing man after that he was like looking for laundry wow. <laughs> yelping you know you know, you know he's, yeah right going outside hey man you know can you change my dollar no but uh, no i'm kidding but uh, awesome. but uh but he you know it's so funny that he that he got into that he was uh he was a, a you know very humble genius you know um, you know what an amazing guy man um, just and I mean he here's an interesting thing this one time he said something to me that I never heard any, a musician say before out loud you know he he said I don't really feel like playing tonight you know what I mean like I'm not I'm like really I mean you know you know and then. He walked on stage and just played his ass off, you know what I mean? And I was like, whoa, now there's a lesson for you, you know? It's like, he was like, I don't, you know, I'm not really in, you know. He wasn't really motivated. I, I, I don't really feel like doing this tonight, you know? And I was like, now people might have felt that. I'm sure everybody's felt that, like, geez, this is, but you just yeah. don't usually let it out. In yeah. The, in the, but he didn't care because um, for him, it was like, I know I'm going to still you know do what i gotta do when i well you never when know when they you know that maybe it was a bad sound check and then you never know when the great gig is gonna that's strike. exactly right and then that, that's the other thing is that you don't feel like playing until you're playing and then all of a sudden you forget that you don't feel like playing you know what i mean and 
you know you forgot what you were pissed off about or whatever you know and and so yeah so that that was a a big lesson you know that i learned from him amongst many you know what about joe zawano joe zawano um i did a record with him right called uh, faces and places right and um and all he wanted to talk about was boxing and mike tyson and so he was really really into boxing it was a very interesting thing we were playing um this one tune um and he said well i want you to play i can't remember what key it was but he said i want you to play in like e flat major you know it was e flat major and so um in the e flat major there was kept there was this i kept hearing this note b you know or c flat if you want you know however you want to call it you know and um so i said joe man um do you want you want me to address that flat six you know and that's in he goes he goes like kind of pissed he goes i don't call numbers and i realized oh i'm talking to joe's allen it's like you know we're way beyond what major and minor means you know what i mean right, stuff right. like that you know it's just uh he would he told me it was e flat and that should have been enough for me you know what i mean and then now now deal with whatever the hell else is going on you know and so that was a big another big lesson yeah. i learned there you know he just threw you into it yeah to land on your feet yeah yeah i mean he he oh it was very another funny thing about him you know we were talking about my physicality right when i play right. and you know you've seen me right. play it's like it's like you know Unfortunately, it's something I'm kind of famous for, you know, for, for whatever reason. But anyway, uh, Joe, I'm in his studio. You know, his, his studio was in, uh, was in his house in Malibu. So you you look out the control room and you just like touch the face of God. You know what I mean? It's like it's right on the cliffs. You know, amazing. But uh, so in the control room, you know, I'm setting up. I'm setting up in in the control room to play, and he says. Hey man, move all this, move all this shit, move it all, you know. And trying to get all this stuff out of the way, he says, "Give this motherfucker some room so he can dance." <laughs> <laughs> That's nice of him, yeah. <laughs> you know, because he knew. Yeah. Kind of, he knew that that's who I was. That I, you know, that 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 wasn't for show. You know right, what I right. mean? So he said, "I need. That's what I need on the record. I need that. I don't need you. You know, sitting there." You know, thinking about what you're going to play and all that kind of stuff. You know, well, that's really kind of cool. Yeah. How about Mr. Steve Smith? Steve Smith. I mean, we we well, you know, we we met up in Boston because I was uh, um, just like the last year in Berkeley or just got out of Berkeley and uh, and we had a band together that was a predecessor to Vital Information and then and then we did vital information so the original vital information was me tim landers a great saxophonist who passed away named dave wolchevsky and mike stern and the cool thing about the record was there was no keyboards so it was a jazz fusion record you know or jazz rock fusion record with just two guitar players and so so it was kind of unique you know and that record's really cool you know the first vital information record and steve you know he was very interesting man because you know he was living in trying to live in two worlds because he was with journey while we were doing oh, this already yeah he was yeah. you know he, they, they had already made the record frontier which was like this i think the second record that steve played on because he played on the you know the the big one that was before right. that was what was that called i can't escape remember 
Escape, and, yeah. He played on that record, which was like the... That's their mega. Don't so, stop believing in all that stuff. Right. And all yeah. that kind of all that kind of stuff. So uh, stop believing all that stuff. There's like you know, what's the other one? Who's crying now? It's on there. Yeah. And um and this one. Uh Stone in Love. Yeah, they, that's that that was yeah, that was a huge option. Yeah, yeah. And, I was uh, there. You were young. Oh, uh, and uh, Faithfully is on that <laughs> Faith, record, yeah. right? You know, or was that on Frontier? I, I, actually, I don't know. Those two records run into one another for me because they're yeah. they're both mega giant, you know, records. Interesting, man. He told me that uh, that band, everything they did in that band, was an equal split. Not not the publishing, of course, you know, but uh, but the uh, but all the money from tours and stuff like that but not an equal split between the five guys between six guys the manager so it was herbie herbert and the five guys in journey and they all got an equal split so the manager herbie was motivated to make more money for himself which made more money for every, you know what I mean? It was like it wasn't the kind of thing where I'm taking this off right. the top. It didn't work like that. It was like it's an equal, you know, all the expenses come out, and then we're going to split it equal. And you know, that took courage, I think, for uh, for all of those guys to sign a deal like that. You know what I mean? You know, now Steve will probably hear this and say that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I like the story. You know what I mean? But but that's how I remember it anyway. That you know that it was something like that. But I think that was a great that that seems like it would be a great motivating factor for the business side of your guys. You know, to actually be invested. You know, in whether whether the project you know does well or not because if you're just keep taking off the top you know yep. and then have whatever's left go to the guys after the expenses and all that 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 starts to get whittled down right quick you know the motivational yeah it kind of changes exactly you know so anyway i thought that was interesting but besides that steve smith was one of the, you know, he is a compulsive practicer and learner of music. I don't know, man. He embraced this, uh, you know, conical the Indian rhythm stuff. He does it. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So he's really constantly always studying, you know, and uh, and like I said, he's always kind of living in both worlds, being a you know unbelievable rock drummer to the point where his you know hands are bleeding from playing so hard, to you know doing uh buddy rich tribute type stuff you know what i mean yeah. so it's like well it's amazing to hear that he was doing vital information when they had the two biggest rock albums of like the 80s basically yeah at that same time at the same time that he had his little little side project called yeah. vital information which is like this cult now speaking of drummers dennis chambers there's no one quite like him mm -hmm. the way when he on a gig when he starts Improvising. <laughs> yeah, no, no, man. He's like he's, a tsunami. He really is, man. Uh, um, he, Dennis Chambers, the first, it's funny because Dennis and I knew each other for a long time, and uh, um, our first interaction was on the first return to the Brecker Brothers record. I, is that right? Probably not. There's probably a couple of records where he played on and where I did some overdubs or something like that. But, uh, and Dennis was trying to get me into the Brecker Brothers, but I was playing with uh um marcus and uh and with david sanborn and so 
it was I just couldn't do it at first. I didn't, and then I then I joined the band uh, for the next record. Of course, I joined the band right when Dennis left, so we were right. both going, "What? The f-? <laughs> you know, you know?" Because he because he really wanted to play with me, and I really wanted to play with him, but he didn't know that they were calling me, and that right. I was going to do it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, so, so it took a, a, a few more years for us actually to get some stuff together. He, uh, um, we played with David Sanborn. Um, he did a couple of tours with Dave, and uh, and then I played on. Here's an interesting thing with Dennis. I mean, you know, and you know, Dennis is, you know, he's one of the great innovators on drums, and certainly credits you know Billy Cobham and people like that as being you know inspirations but you know you got to remember dennis was coming out of that you know he's got that thing going and he's got that parliament right. thing happening so the funk there's the group there's a you know the pocket is so deep while he's playing all that stuff you know what i mean that, that and that speaks to me we, we yeah, talked yeah. about that that's early you, yeah. early <laughs> on in this that's like part of my two thing you know <laughs> yeah you know so uh uh it was incredible, man. Just to, you know, just to to feel that that kind of power, but not just the power, but the 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 true beauty of that groove. What you know, while that was happening, man. But he's a the first. Now I played on his this record um, called I think it was called Outbreak, something like that. And we played on one tune. And what happened was um, Jim Beard, who is the uh, producer and pian- great piano player who plays with Steely Dan now um, and play used to play with um, used to play with Wayne Shorter and so, you know really unbelievable you know uh, piano player composer slash 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 you know and um, um, he called me and he said Dean man we got this one tune that we you know we jammed and we play you know and the groove is really cool but I don't like what everybody played on top the only thing I really dig is the drum part you know and he said so if i sent that to you do you think you could write something over it and i said well I'll send it let me see you know so i found a couple loops in there you know and then found some longer sections that were cool so that it wouldn't sound so loopy you know what i mean and uh and i wrote this tune and i played uh i played you know guitar and bass well, you know, I had a bass, and so I just played the bass part on there, and uh, and sent it back to Jim, and he goes, "Okay, this is really cool. Let's you know, let's co- come into my my studio and let's record this for real. You know, you know the guitar part and stuff." And he got Randy Brecker to come and and double the melody and play a solo and and this and that, and uh, and then he said, uh, "Okay, so uh, did you bring your bass?" And I'm like. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, I was like, you know, get Will Lee or get somebody, you know, get a bass player. Play. He goes, no, man, what you played is really cool. I said, oh man. So I got my bass right, and I and I played bass, and I played it with a pick because I, you know, I wasn't going to attempt trying to, you know, do it. Um, and uh, I and it it's the bass part that's on the record, you know. And uh, I, I was so surprised that they, you know that he wanted to use that. The 
song's called Plan B. <laughs> Perfect. Because the, you get the, you get it right. Yeah, it exactly. makes sense on a lot of different levels because it's me, you know what I mean, and it's Plan B. So uh, it was kind of cool. So he so, scrapped all the other parts and just used the song. And just and just used the song that I wrote basically. And uh, so uh, you know, and I gave you know gave yeah. Dennis writing credit because he did. Of course. Right. You know, I wouldn't have been inspired to write the thing without you know without that. So uh, so it was kind of cool and. Um, the bass player, who's a great player that plays with Maceo, um, um, Skeet, um, he, uh, and all, I think he played with Parliament too, and Dennis loved him, you know, and he was a bass player on most of, most of that record, right? Um, got the record, and he's looking at the credits, right? And he goes, oh man, he goes, you gotta, you know, you, know, you, made, you messed up on the credits, because on this tune, you know, it says Dean's playing bass. I'm playing bass on that, and I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, really? You know, because 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 he was sure because you got to milk that moment for a while. Just let I know let he remembered the groove. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, oh no, I played I played that. You know, you know, but I, it was a completely different bass part. Yeah. But because of the groove, I think that's what made him think. But what's also more, because it was funky. Exactly. That's the thing that was the most. That was the thing that was like so cool to me. I was like, man, you know, that that's like the greatest left-handed compliment that's ever happened that's ever, right? Epic you know? left-handed right. compliment. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. You got bragging rights on that one for life. Yeah, with yeah, him. for life, right? You know. <laughs> well, cool, man. Is there anything yeah. else that we need to cover here today? We covered so much. I'm definitely gonna play like. Uh, the new album several tracks in the beginning and oh cool cool I love that tune McCoy on there that's a kind of cool tune you know what's it's interesting about that song is well obviously it's a it's a kind of a tribute to McCoy Tyner you know and uh, you know the the chords are like um, um They all go over E. Nice. You know, or yeah. A. Right? Right. That, that relativity thing we were just talking about. Totally. You know what I mean? But the cool thing about this, I don't know if you can, um, can you play those chords? Possibly, where is it? It's the same, they're all the same chords. I'm I'm trying to get the rhythm here. You could do that. If you want. But check this out. Can you keep going? Because here's the bass line. That's fab. And so what's really cool about that is that the bass line is in five.
but the tune's in four. So I couldn't yeah. even write the whole bass line out because it would it would the chart would be like like 20 pages long. You know what I mean? So I I just put you know doom doom. I did it like for four bars and said you know similar. Et <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh, but that's a really kind of uh, there's something hypnotic about that, right? Oh yeah, Hearing it's that. beautiful. Lucky number nine is hilarious too because you got the crazy intro and then it just goes into like into a, a blues. slow blues. Yeah, I know. I lucky number nine. Crazy so, Hendrix tone or something. Yeah, in the yeah, 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 yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's like a dichotomy thing there, right? But, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a fun, that's a fun thing, and it starts the record. You know, um, then there's a song I wrote for my dad called "Old Soldiers," which are really kind of pretty. It's uh, pretty tuned in there. If I can remember it, shit. Um, I better remember it. Then. pretty tune but um yeah Gorgeous. so there's that there's a oh and then yeah, i wrote a tune for pat martino oh yeah yeah uh, well not for you know right, it's like kind of a you know it's like my tribute to yeah. pat it's called uh philly man you nice. know what i mean you know that's that one i, I was just playing it before it's uh, uh It's a yeah. kind of a Pat Martino kind of sounding tune, <laughs> and and the chord changes are like, uh, you know, they're not the same. But I borrowed the feeling from there's a a, a a tune that he wrote called "A Great Stream," you know, that had these kind of chord changes. Were like, I'm I'm doing it much faster. You know what I mean, and uh, right. um, um, something that 
I wrote like tried to write these chord changes that sounded like something that Pat would like to play over. You know, that sounded Sweet. like something that he would write to play yeah. over. You know, so that was kind of fun. And then um, yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of you know, there's a lot of like playing, you know, burning and stuff on there. But but uh, you know, for me, music's got to be more than that. It's got to be about writing. You know, it's got to be about uh, it's got to have some compositional meat. You know, for yeah. me to 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 want to give it to for for me to want other people to hear it. Oh you yeah, know? no, it's not enough to hmm. just you know. That record's play got good. everything. It does, kind of, yeah. right? You know, yeah. it does. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I really, you know, it's true. You know, it's, it's your fifth album after fifth, all these years. Yeah, only fifth I, one. Yeah, because yeah. you you're I mean so incredibly prolific with all these other artists and sessions. That's a, probably the part of the problem. Yeah. I, well, not that wasn't it, man. I man, I've had bands since I was you know in high school. You know, right. I've been writing music for a really long time. I got lockers just full of write. So, and that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people think, "Oh man, I, I should write something because you know maybe I should get some of the publishing on it." I was like, "That's a stupid reason to write." <laughs> you know what I mean? You should write music because you're because you you know just like you learn how to play guitar, you got to learn how to write. You know, so you got just like you practice scales, you got you know you got to write a song every day. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. You know, yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and so I did that a lot. You know, I I wrote. I was a composition major at Berkeley. I wasn't a guitar major. You know what I mean? I was like, I kind of took it serious. So I, I think um, I think people, you know, whether they know it or not, I think they can appreciate that. that wow, this. this this song is holding together well, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's besides being a nice melody or a nice groove, it's well crafted, you know, and that, but that's, you know, that's something that's, you know, attainable. I think if if you work hard at it, you know, um, as opposed to saying, you know, I got to write a song because yeah. I I want to get publishing too, <laughs> you know, yeah, groovy, yeah. Well, dude, thanks so much for hanging. You see, you're you're in it for all the right reasons, man, Dean. You're like you're in it for the journey, not the destination, and not the publishing. Yes. So that's Although that's cool. Although I could use a little, pu- <laughs> I, you know. See, here's the thing: I'm not in it for the publishing, but I wouldn't mind getting a little. You know what I mean? You know, it's like yeah. that's the thing. If you know, um, I think if you if you work hard, you know, hopefully hopefully you'll be rewarded enough monetarily so that you can continue to play you know that's the thing so you can continue to do it without worrying about you know uh, you know am i going to eat or you know all that kind of stuff so there is that i mean you can't just be completely divorced from 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 the world we live in you know as human beings but uh but i think you know i try to be in it for the right reason and i appreciate you saying that you know because uh that means a lot to me I think you got enough in the right reasons column. You got a lot in there. It's <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> Shit. So let's take it out on a jam. You know, I have an idea too. We got Kenny Etchison. Yeah, in the yeah, house. man. Get, get a guitar, what? man. Or yeah, why don't you? What do you guys want to play? You guys want to play something? Here. Really? Yeah. Put you on the spot. What are we playing? I'm nervous now. Oh man. <laughs> like, you know, it's a little fade out jam. Or something. Whatever you want. Play. I'll, 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 I'll Ladies and gentlemen, you. Kenny Etchison in the house. I about like just G to C, but every. Four measures go up a minor third or something like that. Every four measures go up a minor. Uh, every four cycles. Uh, like, okay. Mm-hmm. 